yeah, art as a transformational practice. I actually, just before you came, I watched this video by CJ the X. They're a YouTuber that does sort of art analysis videos and gets really philosophical with it. And so like the topic was subjectivity in art. And you ever watch something that like perfectly encapsulates something that you've been thinking about or talking about? And it's like, ah, finally someone put like express that thing in a way that I've been trying to do so. And so, yeah, uh, art and, uh, what it means and what it's for and even what it is uh, <laughs> yeah let's let's go there <laughs> yeah um uh, i do not have a degree in this i'm not an expert you know if you <laughs> if conditions do not improve call your doctor um mm, well so we know that we're wired to respond to rhythm, mm -hmm. right? Sound of the human voice. That's, mm -hmm. we've got some old instruments. Yeah. Um, uh, what is art and why? <laughs> uh, especially, I think, in an age, well, it's been going on a long time now. Hang on. Because I'm pretty sure there was graffiti there, you know, there had to be graffiti in the Great Pyramids, mm -hmm. you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, you can't have that kind of power structure without people, you know, going, nope. Yeah. Um, yeah. Art. I actually really don't know. I, um... For myself, I don't know why I do what I do. I just feel driven to do it. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that comes out. Yeah. I am, I can play a lot of different roles, sitting behind a desk or, you know, slinging hash or whatever, but um, art's going to squeak out of me, mm -hmm. no matter my best intentions, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to the contrary. So why art? Why do we create? Because we can. Um, we can, I think it's the same as, you know, why have sex without uh, procreating? Mm -hmm. We can, <laughs> it feels nice. Yeah. So we do. Mm -hmm. Um, tell me some of your views because you've thought a lot about this and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm also coming off of zoom meetings and stuff and let me, <laughs> let's prime the pump a little. Yeah. So I specifically am a musician. I dabbled a bit in some visual art in fact before music took all of my passion uh in like middle school i think before then i like you know asking fifth graders like what they want to do for the rest of their lives which is a, a really strange thing to do uh, but at that time i was like i will be a comic book illustrator yeah. and i was like hell bent on that and i have not done <laughs> like visual art in like a specific just drawing sense probably since middle school yeah let me ask you what stopped you music really <laughs> yeah tell me about the first second uh, i don't mean to hijack your interview no, i'm just yeah, really yeah. really the, curious but right and the the nature of the second podcast is not an interview anyways so we will just go okay. uh so yeah it's it's more that like Students only have so much time to do <laughs> what they can and want to do on top of the homework and the assignments and the stuff. So it's if I could have been involved in more arts, I would have. Right. And so. Yeah, I mean, I was always great in art class in and I think it did take like an art class in my senior year of high school. Was that in Oklahoma? Yes, yes. Um, I, I did grow up here. I was born in Venezuela, um, but I didn't, I don't know Venezuela. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I went to PC North and I had like, yeah, all of my time was taken up by music. And so I started 
trombone in middle school, I would have liked to have done percussion. Uh, and now I have drums. <laughs> uh, that's actually a fairly recent development. And so I, it's a good looking I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying sucking at drums. <laughs> hey, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we don't do a lot of things <laughs> because we're afraid of that, of the suck factor. We're afraid of failing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I it's... think that's why I never tried <laughs> with music. I'm pretty, or why I got so skittish around it. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid of failing. Yeah, there's so much like standards, right? Of like what is good music, and and with we'll we'll get back to the art thing eventually, but like, and that's kind of a part of it, right? But. Yeah, I was I was a, a scorned percussionist. It would have been my <laughs> first choice had there not been too many percussionists. And so I did band and I also wanted to do choir because I was super involved in choir. I'm a singer primarily. And so like in elementary school, you know, they have music class and you all sing in the choir. And I was in like some extracurricular stuff, even in elementary school with choir. And so in high school... I was like, no, screw it. I'm going to do as much as I can with both. And so I did band, uh, marching band is this very interesting cult devoted to like this communal effort of making a good show. And so I was a drum major as well. I conducted in front of the band and uh, I had enough musical talent to like not have to practice outside of like class um but yeah so I also did choir and that just like doing (laughs) band and choir is like it just fills up the time that's a lot yeah yeah Yeah. um and then whenever the like school musicals would happen I would also do those and so if I could have done drama as well I would have done it if I could have done art I would have done it if I could have done debate I would have done it yeah, but yeah, like yeah. there's only so much yeah. time that uh, you know and you got to do math apparently so <laughs> <laughs> um so over time I I went to college for uh I did two years of vocal music ad. I figured I might as well like find a job in it. Uh, And then, but like my real passion was to just like make music myself as an artist. Uh, And yeah, so I went or I took a class called history of video game music and video games has always been like a huge part of my life. And so the plan was like, I'll get my bachelor's in music ed and then I'll do the associates in production that they have at ACM. Uh, But I, the the end of the second year of vocal music ed, I took that history of video game music class and I was like, no, I'm doing production now. (laughs) And so I got my associates, then bachelor's in production. Uh, I have a master's in music composition. And so uh, I've thought a lot about music and art as far as like what it is, how we can make it effectively, what we're doing and sort of why. Unfortunately, there's not enough philosophy in music education. Uh, so I've always been a philosophy hobbyist. <laughs> Um, and that's part of the reason for this podcast is that I get all of my philosophizing done here. And so, yeah, the, it's my way of getting deep into things. So going all the way back to just like art, what is it? Why, uh, art is communication. It's communication without necessarily words because words by themselves aren't the communication necessarily whenever you perform poetry it's more than just the words whenever you sing lyrics it's more than just those words but the melody and the context and the rhythm and all of that and so we are communicating something 
and the process of figuring out how to communicate something and figuring out what we're trying to communicate and how to do so is the thing. And that is what transforms us in the process. But also it makes it to where we do still have some sort of idea of what like good or bad art is <laughs> um, for better or for worse. And you can go the full subjective route, which is just like all art is subjective and what someone enjoys may not be what everyone enjoys and that's okay. And then there's the objective side, which is just like, this is objectively good art because of reasons that we can actually analyze and get into. And this is less good art because of those reasons as well. And uh, a lot of the objective side uh, can probably be chalked up to like, my opinion is true, mm -hmm. which is true. <laughs> <laughs> and I may be lying. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, but there is some uh, truth to that. And so if art is communication, there is more and less effective forms of communication. I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> no, never apologize. I, I, with the idea of art as communication, I agree. Language is a construct, and that construct, um, as you were talking in the first podcast about free will and you know, the conditions under which we are communicating. Mm -hmm. Language has evolved to really um, more and more have us meet each other on a very surface, fractionated and um, literal level. Mm -hmm. And creative expression as a form of communication to the listener or the viewer, or the person experiencing, it it is a it evokes metaphoric thought. Mm -hmm. It's taps into places in us that language can't reach, mm -hmm. and as such, I think it is inherently subjective because it's all communication. That being said, um within certain forms and constructs there are value markers mm -hmm. which i are valid yeah if i am going to uh, see a chamber ensemble if it sounds like a pet store burning down i'm probably going to be a little <laughs> disappointed yes you know my expectations mm -hmm. have not been met um Mm. Now, what is art? <laughs> I'm angry that we only have one word for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it really is like a, it's three letters for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. Art. Um, one syllable. Yeah. That's it. It's like, um, what is it in the indigenous uh, cultures um, uh, that have uh, like how many hundreds of words for snow? Mm. depending on the type of snow sure we have one for art <laughs> and you know i can't get binary in language mm -hmm. with the enormity <laughs> of what that little itty bitty signpost um of of letters represents mm -hmm. so yeah i tend to be more um more on the freewheeling sphere. That being said, do I want to sit around and listen to somebody who has no, like, I will get annoyed if I show up to watch somebody's work or listen to their work. And there's, you know, it's like six hours with no breaks or, you know, okay, well, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. But for, for that person, there's room in the world for their expression. Yes. <laughs> so great. If I don't like it, I don't have to be there. But um, I, I just enjoy witnessing what 
people choose to put into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people, I think, who are probably closeted creators who create only for themselves mm-hmm. and they never share it with the world. Is that still art? Yeah. Uh, and and I would say so. Um, Is it good or bad? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. so um, it's always, you know, it's so funny that we exist in all of these spheres and we don't spend enough time trying to like really describe the thing that we're actually talking about. Uh, and so for, yeah, for the longest time, you know, I've done eight years of like actual education in music. And for whatever reason, like really only in the master's level, did we actually talk about what music is. <laughs> and it's, it just seems a little late <laughs> to get to that point, you know? Uh, <laughs> but the shortest way I've been able to describe at least music because of the medium is just sound with intent. Sound with intent. Yeah. Uh, and so the joke is if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, is it music? No, if a tree falls in a forest and you record it and then show it to people, then it's music. <laughs> so it depends on an outside viewer or observer. Yes. So okay. I, I think art does in some ways require observers, right? And so uh, in that CJ the X video that uh, I mentioned, uh, they brought up this catalog of photography that this woman had done it there was just like thousands and thousands of negatives not developed uh left in a storage unit that was then auctioned uh the woman died before the person who bought all of those negatives was able to reach them but he discovered this beautiful just catalog of just amazing photography and like is uh, <laughs> you know, objectively just like really good photography it moved you. Yeah. yeah uh but like no one experienced that art in the photographer's lifetime and so it's this weird liminal state of like was it art it only existed as negatives so it wasn't even able to like truly be perceived as art as it was created but then the person who got the photography mm-hmm. was then able to kind of turn it into art <laughs> but what about the role of the artist she mm-hmm. saw fit to mm-hmm. hit the shutter at a certain moment. Yeah, exactly. And that act of capturing it mm-hmm. at that moment. That was art, yeah. Well, if it's art then, mm-hmm. what does it stop being art just because nobody sees it? You know what I right. mean? Right, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. a different art. It's a different work, actually. Okay. <laughs> it, in a way that like, yeah, the art sort of requires an experience. Um, (laughs) and so there's like the, the art that happens when the photo is taken. And then again, the art that happens when someone experiences it. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 I mean, for my, and that's, that's actually a really, um, interesting rabbit hole to go down. (laughs) Um, I, for me, it's semantics Mm. and, um, uh, but I do, I am kind of jazzed by the idea of having, you know, it shifts forms mm-hmm. when it moves from the artist into the public. Yeah. Um, I'm a process junkie, mm-hmm. so much more so than I appreciate a good product. Yeah. Um, but I think most of my life has been so product focused mm-hmm. that now I'm much more interested in how we're creating it together and the, um, you 
you know, uh, the, the trails we're, we're discovering together along the way. Um, but yeah, um, I guess it does change form. I, yeah, you, I accept the argument. Sure. And I'm not even really making an argument, but yeah. No, it's a, or a, a, the word. Discussion. <laughs> the word. discussion, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The word. Um, yeah, I, communication, and I think it is necessary. What about if art is used for manipulation? Yeah. What's that like? Yeah. Communication is happening. Communication <laughs> is happening. Right, right, right. It could be, could be and, propaganda. Could be right. right yeah, right, right. and and then the artist kind of does still matter in that regard too. In that uh, you did that. Sorry, I just saw that. That's beautiful. Well, so uh, the painting there, my wife did the machinations poster yeah. is uh not my art okay. but it was a concert that i did that was for my like great. graduate thing um yeah. a a great artist mm-hmm. that uh i got to know when i worked at sprouts uh, i was like hey i'm doing this concert will you do one of those things that you do very cool <laughs> yeah and uh yeah uh, nathan kent is is that uh artist Rock but and roll. yeah my my graduate composition performance thing is kind of the biggest thing I've pulled off. It, uh, <laughs> I had like 42 musicians play wow. my music over. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and the, I know we're like going way beyond, but yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, there's somebody with a, with a score sheet right now. Who's like, now they're veering from that. Well, no way. I don't, yeah, yeah it's pro- I'm a process junkie. I'm yes, cool. Yes. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I mean, you can now consume it in video form oh, as great. it exists. Hey. Uh, SantiagoRamones.com slash machinations. Uh, and yeah, like the the graduate like program requirement probably only needed like four or five pieces from me. I did 11. <laughs> wow. And uh, so it was like a couple electronic pieces, an electroacoustic piece uh, with a choir, a art song, a choir piece, a piano solo, a short opera, brass quintet, and two big band jazz pieces. Hell Yeah. And yeah, I hope to eventually record that with like professional musicians that aren't just like really busy college students. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. And get like, you know, a, a better form of that. But I'm actually going to use this to like tie back into the conversation that we're having, which is that um, the art that you experience whenever you watch those videos is different from the art that you experience if you were if you were in the room whenever it happened and so it's like you can you can watch video of a sparklahoma performance but it's not the same as actually being there in the context of just even like how hot it was outside and like how the wind was blowing and what had happened prior to seeing that performance and all those things contribute to the art experience. Um, And so, yeah, like we're always, we shape the art in the way that we perceive it. (laughs) Or consume it. Sure. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, um, I wake up every morning with some random song in my head Mm. And it's random. Mm. And they're not even songs that I necessarily like, mm. but I know the words to them. Yeah. And so I can sing along to them. Like, does that mean, that doesn't mean that I like them. Yeah. yeah. But for me, that's, that's another part of, you know, how humans process things. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard this over and over again. Therefore, I can repeat it. 
you know, exactly, yeah. but the, the different subject. Um, speaking about live performance, that's, um, that's where I live mm-hmm. because it can't be repeated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something so magical about gathering something ritualistic about gathering to experience something with others yeah. live that um, <clears throat> feels so primal. And that's a thing that I feel like we've kind of moved away, kind of, we've moved away from it. Where are our rituals now? Yeah. And the role of art in ritual. Yeah. I think rituals can be considered a form of art. Mm-hmm. Um, it is communication. Mm-hmm. And how are we? Yeah, I guess I, I'm just curious, like if I were able to take some sort of large historic view, mm-hmm. what would this period in our lives artistically be called? Yeah. And I mean, it. I feel like it's so informed by recording. And the fact that we're able to record everything that, I mean, one, speaking in the context of history, history only exists because of record. (laughs) And so we have recorded history being history because anything before that is like we can't actually pin down. Mm -hmm. And so... We can't really know what pre-music notation cultures music sounded like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it only existed (laughs) in the air in those moments that they happened. And we probably have, you know, probably even more than like 50,000 years of art history that doesn't actually exist because you know we were only focused on like these past ten thousand years (laughs) give or take my i'm not a archaeologist (laughs) yeah for sure when i when i think about that of how us as human just as the human species we tend to think of history as like, oh, everything was stupid back then. We got the answers now. <laughs> like they were so primitive. They had no idea, you know, um, and that we're smart now. Civilized to death, the price of progress. This is a, a book that I am reading. Beautiful. It, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but it was just like really relevant. It's a book about how uh, civilization is not necessarily progress which is no. what you just said sorry continue no I mean, <laughs> civilization one could also argue the forms of music that we're aware of that happened in the past mm. we're aware of them because someone made the decision that it was worth recording mm-hmm. or or preserving archiving or preserving yeah. and what was that person's motivations what was excluded mm-hmm. you know that and that crosses every realm of human experience mm-hmm. from science to, to culture, to, to the arts, um, to religion. Mm-hmm. Somebody, usually a dude was <laughs> making the decision of, ah, this is good. This sure. is what we're going to keep. Mm-hmm. What were the other expressions? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it could be there were some punk rock people back in the, you know, in the way back machine yeah. who were really fighting against or, or rebelling against the culture. Um, that, I mean, we can take the 1700s, for example, mm-hmm. that were really rebelling against that culture, but there's no record of them mm-hmm. because they were not in power, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know, there's... Um, who makes the decisions of of what we have known to be as history. Right. Yeah. And history really just records power. <laughs> history just records power. Uh, yeah. That's not necessarily a like quotable statement I intended to make, but there you go. Uh <laughs> and the yeah, I mean so I work on 
podcasts. And one of the podcasts I work on is a book podcast. And the one of the guests is a indigenous uh, like radio host, writer, you know, activist. And um, he's uh, Lakota, a uh, Teokasan ghost horse is his name. And the like, there seems to be a common theme in in the Book Society podcast, the podcast I work on, uh, about like archaeology and history and, and indigenous peoples sort of interacting with that and how the institution of archaeology has rejected notions that like come from indigenous people. Absolutely. Uh, simply because the sources aren't in such a way that archaeology recognizes. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, like indigenous people's oral history is, it goes way farther back than written history and is actually really accurate and actually has contributed to like, for example, indigenous people in a certain area had stories of like this ancient battle between two behemoths or whatever, and like mammoths. And they like the story told where it happened and they looked and those bones were there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the colonizer mindset of really my way or the highway mm -hmm. of, um, uh, well, <sighs> savagizing, thuggification, <laughs> you know, uh, patriarchy, all of it of, um, although I'm part of it, whatever. Um, hi, I'm Nicole. I'm come from colonizers. Um, <laughs> is to there's no room for human story there's no room for anecdote or 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 oral histories mm -hmm. because it was just it's hearsay sure it's not quantifiable well quantifiable to who <laughs> and that's really where um i think those rabbit holes is probably that's probably what got me questioning everything and having a little bit more of a don't know mm -hmm. because I only know what I've been told, but I also know that what I've been told has been told from a skewed perspective that never really considered me as, you know, uh, as a viable mm -hmm. um, bit of society. So, um, yeah, it gets real complex <laughs> really quick and I can get pretty overwhelmed by that. I, I love philosophy and I love theory. And what I, the thing I know to focus on is the why and the human connections yeah. in the, that are, that are now, you know, um, and those are the, those are the places that I know that I can center myself. So that's kind of what I go for. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Man, this is going to keep me up all night. <laughs> Thanks. We'll be calling um, you at three in the morning. Go, oh, Santiago, I meant to say that. Well, please. Spinoza is kind of right. A couple threads I want to pull on. Uh, yeah. Process and then metaphor, but uh, which are gigantic. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so in the experience I've had through making music, I, I have two different realms in which I make music, which is like process based and then intuitive based. Mm -hmm. And so the process based is just like, I'm going to set up some guidelines and that will contribute to what gets made. And sometimes that becomes extremely procedural and it's just like i'm just going to lay this out exactly this way and then the chips will fall where they do and that is the music um and you know procedural music 
can be really interesting and really fun depending on how creative you are (laughs) at setting up those structures because there's also lots of times where the structure kind of kills the music and I've definitely made those pieces as well (laughs) well for sure and actually thank you because I, I I'm learning that you know like the words for snow I think our definitions might be a little different because I'm coming at it from a non-academic standpoint. Tell me more about, um, about the intuitive. Yeah. So intuitive is, is kind of exactly that it's, I am hearing, you know, the sounds that are in my head and I will then audiate enough to turn that into some sort of recordable thing that then can be played back. Um, whether it be sheet music or just a audio recording. Um, but yeah. And, and a lot of times that also comes with poetry and that whole thing. But yeah, it's like in all music creation anyways, it's still the, um, was it Michelangelo or Raphael? I forget who the chiseling away at the marble that isn't the statue. Right. Michelangelo and yeah. David. Right, right, right. Um, and that's kind of more of how I inti- intuitively create, which is just like, I hear what the music wants to be. Uh-huh. I'm going to move go towards it. Find it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where does, so uh, between process and intuition, where does improvisation lie? Improvisation is probably more so in process for me. Okay. um, Because I am not a skilled enough instrumentalist or singer to be able to make music that I enjoy straight from intuition. (laughs) Okay. All right. Does does that make sense? It's like I can't just pick up a guitar and play anything because I'm not that good at guitar. Um, And so instead I set up little structures for me. What key are we in? What is the time signature? What tempo? And those are structures hopefully used to play along with other human beings. But uh, (laughs) the, you know, I still need those guidelines to be able to improvise in like within those ideas but yeah the i haven't spent enough time specifically on being an instrumentalist or being a singer in that regard so that i can just take whatever comes out of me and enjoy it as it is because it i have musical standards that have been beaten into me for years of music education all right Yeah, yeah 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 i get it um Please watch Evan Mazunik's TEDx talk um, on musical education and towards a new path for that. Um, Let me just add that in there because he starts talking about the rigid didacticism Mm -hmm. in musical education and um, and what he believes is missing. And then he gives a demonstration. And I would love for you to check that out. He will say it much more (laughs) elegantly than I can. But okay, so let me let me query you here just a little bit, Um, because, again, I haven't taken a lot of time to think about my own art form Mm. so much. I can think about what I want to try to do, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily the why or the how of what I do. I am which makes me hell at writing grants because people really want to know what's your process. What is I'm it like, going I don't to know. Be? I, I just, don't know. <laughs> I do the thing. Yeah. You tell me what you think. But um, because, okay, this conversation that we're having, mm-hmm. this is improvisation. Yeah. It's not scripted. Yeah. Right. Um, when you listen back to it, even though you have standards for podcasting, mm-hmm. You can listen back to it and based on how it goes, you can say, oh, well, that was successful, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. (laughs) So if you take that same concept to Mm -hmm. a musical conversation Mm -hmm. that, um, that is, it achieves 
a sense of connection and communion with a beginning, middle, and end. You know, could that also be good? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. And how is that not improvisation? Why do you have to be a better guitar player? I would say that you, all that you necessarily need are some basic skills and the ability to listen deeply and respond authentically. Yeah. Uh, there's the difference between what my mind wants to music as a verb <laughs> and the difference between what my hands are capable of musicking. And so it's more of like trying to get like I would be more effective if I could just music directly out of my head. I understand. And if I had like worked at an instrument long enough to be able to do that, I would, which is why I'm a composer. I just spend a lot of time as a hermit and I put all the stuff together perfectly <laughs> and then I show it to people. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I do. I'm just, you know, I'm always curious how we, how do people do? Yeah. Um, the, I'm also asking this of myself, right? Because mm -hmm. I was not trained as a singer. I sing. I love to sing. I was not trained as a singer. And that inhibits me to really try. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's a damn, well, it's a crying damn shame because, okay, maybe I, you know, what makes me an expert in whose eyes, whose permission do I need to express myself in that way? But I also liken it to, um, I have a lot of friends from different countries mm -hmm who don't speak English well, mm -hmm. and I have very basic French. Um, sounds better here than it does in Paris. <laughs> and, um, uh, and even though we're, neither one of us might be experts in the language that we're speaking, mm -hmm. we can still find glorious and beautiful ways to communicate. Yeah. And my belief is that can be done musically even if your hands aren't able to make the virtuosic leaps that you think they should or could, you're trying to find communication. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's the, the compromise that we make every compromise. time. Compromise. <laughs> oh, that word. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just like, there's a thing I want to do. I can't do all of it. But. I'm going to go for as much as I can. Yeah. Um, and that is what allows for more creation. If, yeah, if we are stopping ourselves every time, it's like, well, I can't make the perfect thing. It's like, no, just make a thing. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, so like, while I would say it's like, oh yeah, I'm not, you know, skilled enough again, using the example of guitar, uh, guitarist to, say everything I want to on the guitar. That doesn't mean I'm going to not play the guitar. Yeah, I still play yeah. guitar. <laughs> um, but, you know, the process then becomes like every time you are expressing something, you get a little bit better at expressing the thing that right. you want to. Right, <laughs> right. And there are some musicians like, oh, yeah, here comes, you know, here comes Steve. He's going to say the same thing again. You know, yeah. Um, I think we get in comfort zones with anything. And it's terrifying to get out of them. You mentioned being perfect. Mm -hmm. So many of the artists I know, and myself included, we really struggle with perfectionism. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my art. Yeah. I want it to be right. I want mm -hmm. it to get out there. And man, that can be a real buzzkill. Um which is why I enjoy live composition. I would love to teach you some of this to see how you would work yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, I, because every person comes at it with a different mm. um, thing to, to chase. Mm. Um, but there's no time. You are learning in the instant. Mm -hmm. You know, you give some signs, things are rolling and you think that somebody's going to come in with some kind of quality of something when you give them a sign, they misread it. They come in with something entirely different. Mm -hmm. That's not a mistake. Exactly. Okay, that's the next movement movement of the piece, or that's going to become a recurring theme, or that's mm -hmm. you know. Um, 
and making all of these decisions in the instant based on this constant, beautiful, evolving conversation, that it just feels so alive to me. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's, it's, it has been my creative home for yeah. a very long time. Um, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work at all. We hit clams all over the place <laughs> and you can lean into it. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about creating in the instant is, all right, great. We can start again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I would love to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Tackle this. I would, I would love to yeah. try it as well. And great. the, the fun part and the awesome part about having just an open improvisation, like the fact that everyone knows that it is improvised means that perfection has never been on the table. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. You're right. And and that's something. So during my master's, I was part of a trio called Power Cycle and we were three electronic composers that yeah we focus a lot on improvisation and uh i went to uco and uco doesn't have much of anything as far as electronic anything goes and so uh our instructor uh dr keith white was like you know dragging the school of music kicking and screaming into the future and he's like all right we're gonna have a concert every month of new music. It's going to be experimental electronic music. And we, you know, the three of us put on a concert every month of new music. How exciting. Right in the middle of Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. And yeah, there was a lot of like, Hey, I don't really know where this is going, but like, here's sort of the idea for the piece. And I was like, all right, cool. Here's the idea for the piece. And so, um, the, yeah, the concerts are great. There's a, there's an album of power cycle on Spotify. No one listens to it, but it's fine. Uh, (laughs) which is just like an entirely improvised album it's called too many damn cables right <laughs> too many damn cables yes um and yeah that like freedom to improvise you know make some really cool stuff and it's not just that it was improvised is that the fact that it was the three of us communicating with each other mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah, yeah. and oh, Jonathan did this one thing. And it's like, cool, we're going to follow that. Or Breck is doing this cool motif. Let's keep going in that direction and seeing where that goes. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that doesn't have to be everything. I, I, I also have come from a long tradition of people who belong in camps, you know, <laughs> like, or I'm sorry, that's actually a loaded um, <laughs> metaphor, but um of um, you're either theater or musical theater mm-hmm. or your Beatles <laughs> or Stones or your play or your play. And it's, it's just, where is nuance? Mm-hmm. Where is nuance yeah. anymore? So yeah, you don't, one does not negate the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm just very curious what the relationships are between them, mm-hmm. um, between that intentionality and does it have to do with free will? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one last thing on the point of like process and improvisation is that uh, I I did try like you know leaning into the fact that like yeah we're not primarily skilled in maybe this instrument or this practice and so in one of our last concerts uh, we did three sets of a piece that I just called primarily secondary. And so uh, I'm a vocalist and guitarist and Breck is a pianist and vocalist as well. And Jonathan is a uh, cellist. And what we did is I was like, all right, we're going to force ourselves onto each other's instruments um 
And so, uh, not cello because cello is an expensive instrument. Yes. So we didn't ex- yes. uh, experiment on that. But um, so we went through and it's like, all right, I'm going to play piano and I'm not primarily a pianist, but I know some things. And then on like we would rotate through the instruments. And so it's like I had them play like on this thing, yeah. which is a, just a grid based instrument. It doesn't look like a piano. It doesn't look like a cello. It doesn't look like a guitar. Um, and then I also had them all trying stuff on guitar. And so we just rotated on that and like, let's see what comes out of this. And, and specifically what the, uh, you know, lack of expertise in an instrument, I guess produces. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. What was your big takeaway from that? Um, that the voice remains the voice <laughs> remains yeah yeah uh that each of us still have a way that we music and it regardless of the thing that we were playing on it still sounded like breck or jonathan or santiago so yeah <laughs> oh i love that you use music as a verb <laughs> the way that we music yeah that's, yeah it's great I, I think it was in like one of the books that we read, but like, yeah, it's, it's a process of making music. And so, yeah, it is musicing or performance art can be arting in arting. that regard. Yeah. Art- who arted? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, also we call it play, mm-hmm. which I think is very important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's to me and also a very important element of art mm-hmm. because we get our, we get our shoulds, you know, <laughs> kind of rolling from an early age. And once that starts, mm-hmm. play becomes very difficult to find. Yeah. And I wonder if it's one of the many things that contributes to the like devaluing of music as an art form in that we call it playing and it's like oh well that's not legitimate we can't have like people just playing we got to have people working all the time and that's according to who (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean you still gotta make money but yeah according to capitalism according to the existing power structures according Mm. to blah (laughs) yeah yeah no accounting for taste right yeah (laughs) don't you dare have fun but that's somehow finding ways to take delight in the joy that moves through you. I think it's important for the soul. And if that manifests in music that you're not necessarily fabulous at Mm -hmm. academically speaking. So, yeah, you know, there's still room for your expression. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I am fascinated always by, um, by the line between professionalism and amateurism Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know just because you make money at something is not necessarily an indicator that you're a generous artist you know or yeah yeah and i mean honestly given what our culture values is something making a lot of money a accurate indicator for the quality of the thing (laughs) no but it really but man is advertising what an amazing thing that we created advertising Mm -hmm. yeah i hate it marketing is the like the bane of my existence oh man dude so uh i do audiobooks but before i got into audiobooks i was in um advertising voiceovers for quite a long time and man it's just you learn Mm -hmm. like for medical things um we have kind of pleasant bell tones Mm -hmm. and you the way you hit the name of the company you know (laughs) you state the problem but then you hit the name of the company and it gives a little bit of hope and then when it comes for the medical disclaimer on the television you're going to see like a kid with a butterfly net Like, oh, he's almost got it. He's almost got it where my voice is like, 
May cause immediate incontinence. If your grandmother's head explodes, call your doctor immediately. It may cause your stock prices to plummet. You know, and I'm I'm supposed to deliver those in very rapid bell tones that sound very blah 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 that that naturally make you tune out. Mm-hmm. And um there's a science to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's it can be big money. Yeah. So and, yeah. And to me, I guess given my values, uh that to me is gross. <laughs> and so, yeah, what you were talking about, like manipulation and yeah. So it's like, if something makes a lot of money, is it really an indicator of it being good? <laughs> no, but we're so hardwired to, I mean, we're monkeys who've evolved by watching other monkeys mm-hmm. Open up the things and eat them. Yes. You know, or get, or fall off the thing and get hurt. Whatever. That's how we learn. And we are hardwired to learn from other people. And if all of the media we're consuming is like, well, this has got this many likes. Well, our lizard brain, our monkey brain goes, oh, I got to do that. Yeah. Big number good. Incorporate that. Big number good. (laughs) Shiny thing good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people good. And somehow unplugging with that to find a sense of integrity um, beyond the market. <gasps> wow. I mean, that's there. I love to see that there's a punk scene, you know, here again. Mm-hmm. How amazing. <laughs> I was part of the one back in the day. And um, yeah, I love to see some subversion happening, <laughs> some disruption happening. And I struggle with that, with Spark. Um, I pass for a soccer mom. <laughs> I um, have been in sort of the art realm here, which is a very strange liminal place mm-hmm. where bougie meets, you know, um, bougie meets poor people. Um, uh, and And I can walk very comfortably in that sphere. And where my passion and all of my activities lie are, okay, you extraordinary humans from many different backgrounds, let's get in here and play. And how could I leverage Mm -hmm. both of those to be mutually beneficial? Yeah. You know, to educate one and to elevate another. I don't know yet, but Mm -hmm. that's sort of what we're exploring. I just went all around the world. Yeah, I did. All right. Come on back. Well, yeah, but I mean the the question then becomes is like how do we live off of it? Cuz again, it's like it sucks that uh the things that we make have a value that is not necessarily money. Mm-hmm. And yet we still need the money. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, we are trying to leverage that. I'm trying to leverage that. We're all trying to leverage that, uh, in that, you know, I had Rat Fink on, uh, and he was talking about how like, yeah, there's a, you know, 50% what you like, 50% what I like. And so like, it is a very intentional decision that we have to make as artists to be like, all right, here's one so that I can get some sort of popularity so that I can get some sort of money. And then here's one that like I need for my artistic expression and whether you like it or not, doesn't matter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? We got (laughs) to eat. Yeah. Um, Running a nonprofit is not easy (laughs) at all. And it is not, (laughs) I would not call it lucrative. (laughs) Um, And yet it's, it's also satisfying to bring legitimacy to, or bring legitimacy, bring a form of social legitimacy (laughs) to, um, to experimental art forms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're just getting started. 
but um, yeah, it's a tender place, especially in this place. Mm-hmm. What <laughs> this is going to sound like really cynical. What gets the wallets to open up? The fact that we're focused on joy and love and connecting communities, mm. bringing together artists and people from many dis- different spheres who normally don't really have an opportunity to interact, to come together over um, performance. What gets the wallets to open up? Um, right now, <laughs> right now it's me pleading with a lot of my friends like okay go on um no but there is there is an excitement um about starting something new and shifting a paradigm because i think i think the funding landscape here and people here understand that there's a lot of consumables there's a lot of things to consume. Um, and yet somehow it seems not necessarily fresh, mm-hmm. like it's a, a cycling of a different narrative in a different way. And to see something that's not been tried before, that's not been done before, people are like, oh, well, that's, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Let's try. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm finding for now. <sighs> and it's it's funny because it's scary to think that the thing that people are interested in, and this goes to like every musician, it's like the thing that people are interested in is actually the thing that makes it the thing. Like <laughs> if you just actually do it, the people that want it will try to support it. (laughs) You know, I'm so glad you say this because the thing that makes us, us, um, spark, uh, when we're, when we're rolling, when we're performing, and this is kind of a thing that I say to myself and the, and the group before every public show or experience is, all right, this is for us. The moment that we begin to be performative and try to um, anticipate what the audience wants, we're going to lose it. Mm -hmm. If we are all chasing the same beautiful, elusive stranger Mm -hmm. at the same time, they'll follow us. We're inviting them Mm -hmm. to be part of this process. Um, And I've had... I've had some great conversations with like Romy Owens is an artist in Enid um, who is a magnificent artist who has done a lot of and continues to do very um, uh, huge works that are outside of the norm. Mm. And um, Romy and I have had many conversations and the one we had this morning was um, she said, you know, of all the artists that I follow throughout the world, the artists who are really focused in on the thing that is important to them, not what they think the audience wants, not that if they're really chasing that, that's what I admire. And that allowing space for that integrity, we go, yeah, well, we got to eat. Yeah, we do have to eat. And that's very real. Mm-hmm. And you might have to do some other things for the coin. But I, I so admire in others, and I'm learning to express it myself, to show up in exactly who I am, mm-hmm. not in anticipating what the audience wants in, or what I think they might want in my fears, in my intimidation if i'm chasing the thing that fascinates me i find that people will follow some won't not everybody mm-hmm. but by and large i think i think a lot of us more than we realize really yearn to express ourselves fully mm-hmm. um i think that's part of the human condition and artists watching artists work 
that gives us a bit of a voyeuristic thrill because it gives us a little frisson of an idea of what that might be like. And if we're in our integrity, maybe that's going to illustrate for somebody else a path for them to do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um. Um. <laughs> how are we? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Time just flies in here. It does. Um, there is another thread I wanted to pull on, but uh, given that this is an hour long podcast and <laughs> uh, I know that metaphor is too much of a thread to pull on oh. and be short about it. Um, but uh, yeah, any parting thoughts before we do the plugging thing? <laughs> I think that in general, the general public is much more capable of accepting, understanding, and listening to metaphor than what they're normally given credit for. We are beat over the head with literalism every damn day. And I think giving people the opportunity to tap into metaphoric thought um, is a way of deepening connection. And I think we can, uh, I think we can lean into that a little bit these days. Yeah. I definitely agree. <sighs> I want to be continued. <laughs> Nicole, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Santiago, for the invitation. This has been an <laughs> unexpected and necessary delight. <laughs> uh, where can people find you in your things? Me and my things are, um, I'm the executive director of Spark Creative Lab, a.k.a. Spark. You can find us at sparklahoma.com, or I'm sorry, sparklahoma.org. We're a nonprofit now, yeah. And uh, Instagram, Sparklahoma, my personal site. Hopefully it'll be updated by the time you hear this. Mm, Nicolepool.com and uh, Instagram at Rogue Oki. Sweet. Thank you. Uh, yeah. It's for real. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I'm Santiago Ramones. Yay. I'm Nicole Poole. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music you're hearing now is music I made. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Ramones on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can support me directly by buying my music on Bandcamp. I'm working on Hypothetical, my first singer-songwriter album. So if you'd like to hear that at some point, there are lots of ways to support me on my website. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to all my things are on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It would mean a lot to me to hear what you have to say, and it lets others know what to expect better than I could ever explain. I want to help the world have deeper conversations. So thank you for listening to and supporting BitDebts. I was in the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. <laughs>